John chapter 8, verse number 1. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst... They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last, And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I want to preach on this thought tonight, if the Lord would help us and give us a little bit of strength, the Holy Spirit will speak to us through his word. I want to preach on this thought, catch me, catch me if I fall. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the privilege of being here in this service tonight. Thank you for each one that's gathered in this place. Thank you for the testimonies that's already been given, for the help that's already been received. And God, we ask you, Lord, that you would do a mighty work amongst us tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that's in this book. Lead us and guide us in truth. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. And thank you for standing. I want to look at just a couple of things here tonight and just go through these scriptures. As I begin to study this, the Lord dealt with me in a different way, kind of an unusual way to preach this message tonight. I want to see, first off, where some people was, and then I want to see what some people said. First off, we want to find out, where was Jesus? Where was Jesus? In John chapter number 8. First I want to say Jesus had went up to the Mount of Olives. Jesus had went up in verse number 1 to the Mount of Olives. You'll find a reference in Luke 21, 37. It says in the daytime he was teaching in the temple. And at night... He went out and abode in the mount that is called 
the Mount of Olives. Can I say to each and every one of us, where was Jesus? I can tell you where he was at that night. That night, Jesus was praying. That night, Jesus was talking to his Father. We know where Jesus was at that night because the Bible tells us he was there on the Mount of Olives. Luke 21 gives us a good reference that at night, Jesus would leave the busy cities and Jesus would leave the crowds of people and what Jesus would do at night. During the night hours, he would go out and he would spend time on the Mount of Olives. That's where Jesus was that night. And then in verse number two, we find out where he was early that next morning. It says early in the morning he was in the temple. And early in the morning he was there teaching the people. Uh, The words in verse number two I want to draw your attention to. It says, and all the people came. I want to draw your attention to the word came unto him and sat down and he taught them. When you begin to study the words he, the people came and he taught I found out that in the Greek, that is a continuous action. Everywhere that Jesus went, people continued to come to him. And everywhere that Jesus went, Jesus was continually teaching the people. If Jesus spent time alone with the Father, if Jesus spent time alone in the night hours, before he would rise up early to go teach the people. And if Jesus spent time alone with the Father before he would even gather himself around a group of people, and the Lord began to deal with me really heavy, then how much more should you and I spend time alone with our Heavenly Father before we ever, ever get ourselves around anyone else even early that next morning? How much time should you and I spend in prayer before you and I would ever even attempt to try to teach or to talk to one individual about the good things of God? How important is it, church, that you and I spend time in prayer talking to the Lord? Amen? If Jesus had to do it, then how much more should you and I need to spend time in prayer in the night hours speaking to the Lord? Are you with me? Wonder what a difference it'd make if we spent time with the Father, spent time with the Lord before we even spoke to our wives, or you wives even spoke to your husbands. I wonder how much difference it would make in our lives if we was up in the night hours spending time in prayer with the Lord before we even spoke to the first person in the workplace or the first person at the drive through to get a biscuit, or the very first person that we lay our eyes on early that next morning. I wonder how much difference it would make in our lives, and I wonder how much difference it would make in their lives if you and I would just spend some time praying in the night hours, talking to the Lord before we ever spoke to one person, no matter her, how early it was in that next morning. Are you with me tonight? Jesus, that night. Jesus, that night. 
He was on the Mount of Olives. And he was there talking to the Father. What a blessing that is. But we see that not only was Jesus on the Mount, but in early in the morning we see that Jesus was in the temple. And Jesus was teaching the people. There's someone else in this text, and I was wondering where she was at that night. When I begin to look at this woman in verse number three and four, it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. We know where Jesus was that night. And now we know where Jesus was early that morning. And I don't think it would be hard to figure out where this woman was that night. There's no doubt about it that this woman was in a place that she had no business being in. There's no doubt about it that this woman was with someone that she had no business being with. It's obvious to see where Jesus was that night and it's very obvious to see where that woman was that night because the Bible says that she was taken in adultery. That word taken there means to seize and it means to apprehend. Just in case you're wondering what adultery is, adultery is a violation of the marriage bed with a married man or with a married woman. The word adultery means unfaithfulness of any married person. So it is very obvious where this woman was that night. The Bible teaches us that she was taken in adultery. And the Bible teaches us that not only was she apprehended, was she seized, was she taken from that very adulterer bed, that she was caught in that very act. So we know where Jesus was last night. And we know where Jesus was early that next morning. And it don't take a rocket science to figure out where this woman was late last night. But now we need to see where she's at early that next morning. And when we begin to study this, we'll find that these scribes and these Pharisees, they had brought this woman into the temple. And it says that when these scribes and Pharisees, just remember the religious leaders in Jesus' day, when they set her in the midst, what they did as Jesus was there in that temple teaching early that morning, uh, they had found this woman sometime that night in the very act of adultery and they brought her in and they just didn't bring her in and sit her at the back and they just didn't bring her in and, and set her over the side. The Bible teaches us that when they brought this woman in, they brought her in and they took her into the very center. They took her into the midst. They took her into the middle of this sanctuary and they sit her down there, no doubt about it, and they begin to say these things about this woman. So I'm interested in where everyone was. I, I just wanted to know, Lord, when I begin to read this, where was everyone at? I'm going to say it again. Jesus was on the mountain praying that night. And then early that morning, Jesus was in the temple. 
Late that night, sometime along in that night, this woman uh, was in an adultery bed somewhere along those night hours. But then early that morning, early that morning, uh, they brought this woman in and they brought her in and they set her right in the midst of this meeting that Jesus was having with these people. But I stopped today as I was studying and I sit there for quite some time and I prayed. I said, there's several people that's mentioned in this text. We find that, of course, Jesus is mentioned in our text. We find that this woman is mentioned in our text. We find that people, it just says people, was there in that service that day. They're they're mentioned in the text. We find that the scribes and the Pharisees, they're, they're mentioned. They're also mentioned in this text. But there's someone that's missing in this text. Where's that man at? Where's the man? They, they, they found the woman, right? They found her. And they apprehended her. They seized her. And they took her captive. And they brought her in to the very sanctuary. And they put her right there in the middle of everybody. But where is the man? Wonder where he's at. Wonder why they did not bring him. Did he disappear? Did he run off? Or did they even really care why they was really bringing her? Or did they have something down in their hearts that maybe we can't see right on the surface of what they was really, really trying to do? So we know where Jesus was the night. We know where Jesus was that morning. We know where the woman was that night. And we also know where the man was that night. We don't know where he's at that morning. Hmm. So where was the scribes and the Pharisees? In my first thoughts, I thought, where was they at? Was was they out in the middle of the night? Was they out in places that they shouldn't be? But no, because of their religion and because of their sect and because of their seriousness to the law, they, they would not have been there. But if they was not there, then who brought this woman to them? If the scribe, I mean, I'm telling you now, my mind has been really, really busy in these scriptures, Dwayne. I mean, I've been in it. And I've been seeking the Lord. I've been praying. I've been asking him, Lord, if these scribes and these Pharisees was not actually there in that adulterous room, who was it that brought her to them? There's some unanswered questions there, but if they was someone who found them, not just her, it was a them. It was a her and a him. If there was someone who found them, why did they only bring her? What was they doing? 
So we see Jesus, we see the people in the temple, we see the scribes and the Pharisees, and and we see the woman, and we know where they were. Hmm. Number two, we need to know what was said. We need to know what was said. Verse number four, look at it with me. They say unto him. See, these scribes and these Pharisees that have brought this woman who had been taken captive, she had been seized from this adultery bed. And while they bring her and they set her in the midst, in verse number three, then they, is the scribes and the Pharisees, they say unto him, speaking to Jesus, and they call him an interesting word. They call him, this is what the scribes and Pharisees said, they call him master. When I first read that they called him master, I thought, why did they call Jesus master? When you look up the word master, It means instructor, it means doctor, and it means teacher. The reason that these scribes and Pharisees addressed Jesus Christ as master is because they give him the title of a teacher and they give him a title as a instructor and they give him a title as a doctor. And if you give someone that title, that means that you are fixing to say something to them and they're going to have to use the name that you have given them. Think about it. Master, doctor, instructor. If you're the master, if you are a doctor, and if you are our instructor, then what we are fixing to do is we are fixing to ask you something so that you can teach us, so that you can guide us, and so that you can instruct us on exactly what needs to be done with this adulterous woman. You know what they're doing? Trying to set him up. Trying to set him up. It's obvious in our text, and we'll get there in a minute. Master. Master. What are you teaching in here, Master? (laughs) Verse number five, they continue to talk. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Think about it now. Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? You know who they just addressed him as? Master. What sayest thou, Master? What sayest thou, Instructor? What do you say about this, Doctor? And what are you going to answer to this, Teacher? Give us your response. Tell us what needs to be done. Now Moses in the law commanded us. You notice the word us? Moses in the law commanded us. What is the commandment? Leviticus 20.10. But notice what it says in Leviticus 20.10. 
And the man, and the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. That's the law. That's what Moses said, Master. Now we know that if you're the master, we know that if you're the teacher, we know that if you're the instructor, and we know that if you are the doctor, then you know the law. You know the law. Let me ask you this. Was the woman guilty, yes or no? Yes, she was guilty. She's 100% guilty. So what are you going to do now, Jesus? What are you going to do now? Look at verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. Oh, wow. They've kindly set him up right here, Zeb. Because if Jesus commands that this woman be stoned to death and killed, oh, what is the Romans going to think? What are they going to think if Jesus takes it in his own hands to stone this woman? What are they going to think? They should be the ones. How in the world are we going to deal with all of this death right here, right here in the temple? How are we going to deal with that? But oh, if he lets her go. Oh, but if he lets her go. He's breaking the law. These scribes and Pharisees are very wise men. And these scribes and Pharisees are doing everything they can to set him up. You know what else they knew? Let me tell you what else they knew. They also knew that Jesus was friends to sinners. Think about it. They knew Jesus was friends to sinners. You know why? Because they would ask at one time, why would you sit and eat with sinners? What are you doing, Jesus, with all these sinners? Well, here we are. They've got him. There's no way out. (laughs) You think they care about this woman? You think they even really care about what the woman's done? I don't think so. I think all they care about is how can we set up and accuse Jesus? How can we trick him and how can we trap him? It's interesting Jesus' answer. He don't answer. As Jesus, the Bible says, he stoops down and he begins to write on the ground with his finger. And it says in verse number 7, while he was doing that, they continued to ask him. They would not leave Jesus alone. They demanded an answer. Jesus didn't answer. He stooped down. He's riding on the ground. And they are just going crazy trying to figure out what you going to say. Say something to us. Say something, Jesus. I can just see them. They continued asking. What Jesus said. What did Jesus say? We know what the scribes and the Pharisees said. Uh, What did Jesus say in verse number 6? He said nothing. But then in verse number 7, look what he said unto him. 
He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I wonder how long there was a pause after that saying of Jesus. He that is without sin, throw your stone at her. Okay, I've thought about this all day. He did not say you cannot stone her. He didn't say they couldn't stone her. He never said, look, 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 men. You can't stone this woman. He never told them, Brother Cox, that they couldn't stone her. They had every right in the world to stone her. The law said to stone her. But he said this. He said, if you're without sin, chunk that rock, throw it. You don't have sin in your life, then throw it. Wow. There's a limitation on the rock throwing. And the limitation on the rock throwing is you can't have any sin in your life. The casting of the rock is not based on the position. The casting of the rock is not based on the calling. The casting of the rock is not based on your spiritual gifts. (laughs) The casting of the rock is 100% based on perfection. That's what casting the rock is based on. Perfection. If you have no sin in your life, stoner. (laughs) Was she wrong? 100% yes. Was they right about the law? 100% yes. But here stands Jesus. Looking at a very sinful lady. Very sinful lady. But not a, she's not the only one standing there that day that's very sinful. Have you ever noticed that sometimes those who have hidden sins will be those who will accuse people mostly for their outward sins? Here they are. They're, they drug her in the midst. Look at verses 15 and 16. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true. He goes on and he continues to teach and he continues to talk, but this chapter does not end at the break. There is a break there, but Jesus goes on and he says, Look, All of your judgments is according to your flesh. Jesus says, all of my judgments is according to truth. What you going to do with truth? Ain't nothing you can do with truth. 
Truth will always be truth. Are you with me? I love verse number nine. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. They heard what Jesus had to say. They was convicted and their conscience began to convict them. Evidently, the scribes and Pharisees must have had two different measures of goodness. You can tell when you're real religious. When you're real religious, you'll have two different judgments of goodness. Don't miss this. You'll have the judgment of your goodness, and then you'll have the judgment of everyone else's goodness. And if you're not careful, the more religious you get, you will begin to think that your goodness is better than anyone else's goodness. And when you begin to look at the things in your life, they don't look near as bad as the things that's in other people's lives. But when Jesus spoke the word, hey, if you don't have any sin, cast a stone, their conscience eat them alive. I wonder what come into their minds. I can tell you what come into their minds. You know what come into their minds? Not her sin, their sin. <laughs> Amen. Hey, they, they got their eyes off of her and the Holy Spirit through conviction in their own conscience turned their eyes inward toward them and they realized, uh-oh. Some people says, when he wrote in the sand, he wrote this. And when he wrote in the sand, he wrote that. You will never find anywhere in the Bible, and if you do, I need to know. I don't know of anywhere you can find what he wrote, but I can tell you one thing. I can sure find what he said. And let me say to you, what Jesus says is what brings conviction into a man's heart. It's the Word of God that brings that conviction. And all he had to say was this. You don't have any sin? Cast a stone. It hit him. Wow. Wow. We know what, we know where they were. We know what scribes and Pharisees have said. And we know what Jesus is saying. Did you know in Matthew 21, 31, it says Jesus is saying the publicans and the harlots can find forgiveness? Wow. Luke 7, 47, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. See if you remember this message. Luke 15, 11, a certain man had two sons. You know how the rest of that goes? Jesus said, in verse number 10. And Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman and said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? 
Hath no man condemned thee? It's what Jesus said. Well, don't forget, this woman, unless I'm missing something, this woman says one thing. Look what the woman says. She said, she said, in verse 11, no man, Lord. No man, Lord. You know what this is a picture of? (laughs) Come here, my brother. You know what this is a picture of? Face to face. You can pick whichever one you want to be. I'm good with either one of them. Face to face. And one face is misery. And the other face is mercy. And one face is a sinner. And one face is the Savior. And there they stand, face to face. Misery, oh my goodness, misery and mercy and a sinner and a Savior, face to face. Face to face. Face to face with misery. She looks straight into the face of mercy. You remember when the Holy Spirit drew you to a place of repentance? You remember when your face was the face of misery and his face was the face of mercy? You remember when your life was the life of the sinner and his life is the life of the Savior? There she stands, face to face with the Savior who has a face full of mercy. If you and I can ever grab a hold of that, and you realize where Jesus got you from, it ought to make you shout before you leave this service tonight. A face of misery and a face of mercy. Oh. This woman, don't miss this. This woman, listen to this, Grayson, this woman is under the legal, legal, Penalty of death. Can I remind you and I? For the wages of sin is because of our sin, we are under the legal penalty of death. For the wages of sin is death, but. <laughs> The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You and I are under the legal penalty of death because of our sin, just like her. But because of Jesus, because of Jesus, Jesus said something to her. I wasn't smart enough to put two and two together. But God is. Verse 11. 
She said, no, man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Neither do I condemn thee. I've been thinking on that all day. And because of a good study Bible, it gave me a reference. Who knows John 3.16? Raise your hand. You probably all know it by heart. Don't forget verse 17. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Well, sounds to me like Jesus is looking at this woman and Jesus is making it appear that this woman ain't really done nothing that bad to begin with. Nope. Nope. Because that next phrase is very important, what Jesus said to her. You know what he said? He said, go and what? Sin no more. more. You know what he said to her, Hardy? He said, mercy's been given to you today. Forgiveness has been given to you today. But he said, ma'am, woman, whew, This right here ought to drive something way down deep in our souls. Don't take advantage of the grace of God. Don't trample over the grace of God. He says, woman, when you go, sin no more. For the rest of your days, do not crawl back in that bed of adultery. For the rest of your days, woman, whatever you do, you do not go back to that vomit like a dog. You don't go back there. That's what he's telling her. Don't look into the face of mercy and don't look into the face of salvation and all of your accusers be gone and then you strut out of here and go bouncing yourself right back down into that same bed of adultery. He says, listen, ma'am, you go and you sin no more. That's powerful. That's very powerful. If you've been forgiven, say amen. Wasn't it a blessing? Stop doing, hey, woman, Stop doing what you're doing. You know what Jesus did right here? He condemned the sin and he forgave the sinner. Think about that. You need to write that in the margin of your Bible. Jesus condemned the sin, but he forgave the sinner. He never one time said, oh, what you did wasn't no big deal. He condemned the sin and he forgave the sinner. I'm going to give you some reference verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 3. 
Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 4. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8. What are those verses referring to? Those verses say something along these lines. That drunkard and that adulterer and that whoremonger and that fornicator shall not inherit the kingdom of God. When he said, woman, go and sin no more, he meant, do not keep living that life. Do not keep living that life. Can everyone in here mess up? At a snap of your fingers. But when you see someone mess up and they don't come out of it and they stay and they stay and they stay and they stay and they stay, stay, write it down. According to the word of God, there's something wrong and it's something really bad. Are you with me? All right. 